Welcome back to the Untitled Henna Podcast. This is Adam Copeland, and today Lauren McConaughe is joining me to uh, discuss uh, her time at study group and what she does. Uh, Lauren is the Director of Academic Affairs, and with that, I'll turn it over to Lauren to give an introduction of herself. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so my journey with study group started a few years before I joined Henna. I was actually a part-time teacher at the embassy in New York for about oh, cool. a year. Yeah, which was a really nice experience. Um, it was really useful to have that experience as I moved forward in my role in Henna. Um, so that was cool, and I met a nice, you know, few people along the way that I that I saw later when I joined the Henna team. Um, but I started with um, Henna in well four years ago now. So August this month will be four years, and I began as the head of English at the Widener ISC, and then from there moved to the center director. And then shortly after becoming center director, I became director of academic initiatives. So similar to what I am now, but slightly different than this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just last year, I became director of academic affairs. Cool. Um, yeah, you've yeah. Seen, uh, you've uh, had quite a number of titles, which uh, I have. I have uh, completely out of uh, the blue. But that, that's cool that you uh, started with the company uh, way back in New York. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so had Um, you relocated to to Philly in in the meantime? Correct, yes. So I lived in New York. After I was working at Embassy, I started working on a nonprofit there for a few years, um, but then moved back to the Philadelphia area and um, was teaching at um, the intensive English program at the University of Pennsylvania for a while and uh, found the job at the Widener ISC, and the rest is history, as they say. What uh, what were you looking for uh, that that brought you over uh, to the ISC? Oh, that's a good question. So I, um, given my experience in nonprofit, I had a lot of administrative experience and project management experience, but I also, Mm -hmm. you know, was teaching at the time and have historically been a teacher. So I was looking for a role to combine both teaching with administrative roles, and the head of English was exactly that. So I was really excited to find the role. I wanted to be on a university campus at the time, um, so it was a really good fit. I enjoyed that position. Um, But now... I, I, I'm happy to have moved into the role that I'm in now because I get to work with a lot of different campuses um, and mm-hmm. exposure to, you know, all the different teams and the things that everyone are doing on the different campuses. So I enjoy that now. Well, I will not ask you to name a favorite campus. Um, <laughs> They're all my favorite, Adam, all of them. <laughs> you can um, have multiple favorites, right? That's possible. Absolutely, says the woman Good. with one child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. Uh, Let's go back a little bit before teaching at the embassy. What uh, what got you into teaching and ESL? Sure. So my bachelor's degree – well, first, I'll back up even further. Both of my parents are professors, so I've lived in the academic mm-hmm. world basically my whole life. Um, we've always been on university campuses. Um, our lives have revolved around the academic calendar as opposed mm-hmm. to the, the annual calendar. Um, so it's kind of just built into my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – my bachelor's degree is in anthropology, <laughs> excuse me, um, and I was always really interested in linguistic anthropology, but mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that um, was practically oriented and something I could use linguistics while I enjoyed the theory of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to focus on that piece, so I wanted something that could be uh, more practical. So I thought moving into teaching English to speakers of other languages was a good way to combine those interests. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. were you... Uh, had you been working in New York prior to that? What, where did you, where did you go from? Uh, yeah, so school? 
Sure. So I finished graduate school in 2007, and I moved to Ecuador shortly after that. Um, I taught English in Ecuador for about six months, and then Mm -hmm. from there I moved back to the Philadelphia area and was working at Temple University in their intensive English program. Um, From there, I moved to New York, had that short stint at Embassy that was about Mm -hmm. just under a year, um, and then found a full-time job at a nonprofit where I was managing, this job was super interesting, actually. I was managing um, volunteer projects at multiple nonprofits across the city, mm. all in the areas of English language learning, adult um, basic education, and citizenship. So I would bring volunteers to nonprofits to work um, with individuals to gain citizenship, you know, practice the questions they would be asked, teach them English, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool, and it was a lot of exposure to all of the five boroughs of New York City, so I got to travel around um, quite a bit within wow. the city, so it was really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, That's cool. Uh, was the nonprofit um, privately funded, grant-funded, a mixture of those? Uh, so it was a mixture. It was grant-funded somewhat. I would say the majority of the funds came from our corporate relations department. Mm-hmm. We would plan, um, like, service days for large organizations, like okay. like Goldman Sachs-type large, and they would give us um, donations to then coordinate volunteer services for their employees. Um, So the corporate service department was about, I don't want to throw a number out there, but more than half of our funding came from corporate services. Mm -hmm. Cool. So now coming back to uh, your current job, you mentioned you love getting to work with various people across various campuses. What are some other things that that really get you excited about what you do? Um, hmm. So I love the heat, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we toss around that name, the heat, frequently, and I bet nobody has really knows what the letters stand for, but it's the higher education academic team, um, and working with the heat is one of the best parts about my job. Um, we all are sort of English language folks that really enjoy talking about, you know, the nitty-gritty of English language learning and research around it, and so we can really uh, nerd out around that, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word. Um, So that I really enjoy. We do a research discussion once or twice a semester where we choose an article, read it, and discuss it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those go on. We have to make sure to cut ourselves as an hour because (laughs) we'll just go on forever if we Uh are left to our own devices there. So I enjoy working with that team immensely. Um, Mm -hmm. I enjoy creating also professional and educational development for that team and faculty and staff on the campuses. Um, That's something I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be pursuing that in the future with an EDD degree, so I'm looking to expand those interests even further. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, How frequently do you get to travel? Um, that varies, but I would mm-hmm. say I'm probably at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Um, it all depends on what's going on during steering season. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, mm-hmm. like Oscar season, I guess. Um, we, <laughs> I have to travel quite it's a bit glamorous. around. It is, you know, I definitely wear a ball gown to all of the steering <laughs> meetings. Um, I travel quite a bit in the fall semester. Um, mm-hmm. but I enjoy it. You know, it's a chance. I work from home. Uh, and which means I'm just sitting in my computer by myself a lot of the time. So it's a chance to actually interact with people face-to-face, which is something I really like to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I'd say you and I both, uh, like other people in, in the company who um, work remotely, um, uh, are people people, people, mm-hmm. people person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so this just popped into mind. What are some things you do to meet that interactive piece, uh, um, whether virtually or um, in a physical way, since uh, mm -hmm. you are usually just kind of looking at the screen? Um, and it may not even be staring back at you. I know my screens don't stare back at me. They just <laughs> <laughs> they stare at you blankly is what the screens do. No response. Um, yes, that's also a great question because I feel like that's something that's really hard to do, you know, cultivating that, um, I don't know, team environment in a virtual mm -hmm. setting is a bit challenging. Um, something I've tried to, I've tried to cultivate a culture of um, sort of spontaneous interaction where every, not everything has to be so scheduled and formal, which makes mm -hmm. it feel a little bit more natural. And to yeah. me, that um, provides a little bit more of that connection, like person-to-person -person connection than if you're constantly working within scheduled meetings. Mm -hmm. um, so I encourage, within my team at least, um, you know, kind of like the virtual pop-in, just like ping me out of nowhere if you have a question or just want to chat or just need to brainstorm something. Because mm -hmm. if we were in an office, um, you know, you would probably just pop in my office and say, can you like think about, think this through with me or let's brainstorm around this topic. And I mm -hmm. think it's really important to try to keep that culture, um, even though we're all in different locations. Right. There's no, um, yeah, my walk to the coffee maker here does not run me by three colleagues. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it may be your dog, but not your dog could brainstorm with you, perhaps. I'm not she sure. could. She could. <laughs> she uh, she definitely likes to. She usually saves her interaction with me um, when I want to call with um, uh, either people with uh, at uh, some of our partner institutions um, mm -hmm. who don't necessarily uh, have the the knowledge that I'm working from home or, or something right. like that, or when it's um, say a call with some of the uh, higher-ups in study group who have been perfectly fine with dogs in the background or kids yelling in the mm -hmm. background, but it still kind mm -hmm. of, you know, makes me internally cringe, like, Penny, please yes. settle down. <laughs> yeah, you're not part of this conference call. Please. Right, right. Oh, I was going to um, to follow up with, um, with a question on uh, one of the things that you've done really well um, that also has to do with the interaction, and it was just recently finished. Was the academic forum? Um, yes. That's been a really a really cool venue for, um, you know, even if even with our folks who uh, work at campuses, they don't get a chance to see colleagues who they also interact with a good bit. Um, yes. So can you you want to do a brief recap of this past forum and um, sure what happened? Um, yeah. So this was the third forum that we've done within Henna, um, which they've all been successful in my opinion, but I've had mm -hmm. overwhelmingly positive feedback for this one, this most recent forum. Um, and so I'm really happy about that. We had every all you know, uh, faculty and staff from all of our centers get together to share expertise and share best practices and learn from each other and see what we're doing in our other centers. Um, each year we pick a theme. So this past year was um, assessment and evaluation. And the um, you know, faculty and staff at the, at the centers submit a proposal, basically like a mini conference style. Mm -hmm. And so um, they go through, you know, proposal submission process. We get a schedule in place, and then they're actually the presenters through the through the few days of the forum. And so it's a really nice opportunity for people to present things that they've done that they're really proud of, or just present questions to the group that they want to, you know, work through with their colleagues, things like that. Um, and this past year, we had it in the WeWork space in Chicago, which worked out beautifully. I was really, really happy with the space. Um, 
And we, you know, it's just a nice time for all of us to get together, too, because as you said, we don't get to do that very often as a group. So mm-hmm. um, I was very happy with the way the past couple of days or the two days of this past forum went. And um, I'm going to send out a survey, actually, when we get off this call to see if everyone else was just as happy as I was. But Absolutely. from what I've heard here and there, it seems like people really enjoyed it. So I was happy about that. Yeah, and there were, uh, I know that there's at least one uh, instructor from one of our partner institutions, uh, a non-study group employee who was there, as yes. well as some of our UK colleagues. Uh, were able yes, to come that's over. right. So this year we had um, two folks from outside of Henna. We had Ed Harrison um, and Kevin Jennings came to join us, which was really nice to sort of bridge the gap between Henna and the other divisions. I think that's mm-hmm. really important and something that I actually want to look forward to doing more often. Um, and then similarly, we had a faculty member from Texas A&M Corpus Christi join us. And from the feedback I received from her, her name's Amanda, um, I feel like we should maybe extend the invitation to more partner faculty members or staff members mm-hmm. or whomever would be interested in attending because she was really impressed with what we're doing internally and was unaware of kind of the extent of our expertise and what we're up to and what's going on at all the other centers. And so I think that that would mm-hmm. be a really good um, opportunity to share that with partner faculty. Yeah. How, how do you tell people what it is that you do? Uh, I find this interesting, uh, working <laughs> yeah. in pathways, um, especially in the U.S. where it's still relatively new compared to our other business units, um, but uh, in higher ed, it's just so extensive that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it's um, uh, it's hard to explain, even if you're just working a quote-unquote regular job at a university. Sure. Um, my go-to response for what is a pathway program is um, – A pathway program is a program for international students who are academically qualified for the university, but do not meet the English language requirement to be directly admitted to the university. So we provide anywhere from one to four semesters for that student to take English language courses um, to improve their English language skills alongside of academic content credit bearing courses. Um, And depending on their level of English, they can take one to four academic courses at the same time. Um, So within that, we obviously develop their English language skills, but obviously also provide them, you know, support services, advising, and things like that to get them prepared to be full-time matriculated university students. So that's my go-to explanation for a pathway program. Take it if you would like. Use it (laughs) as you see fit. Um, And then when – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that sounds very similar to what uh, had been my go-to. And Mm -hmm. just a – uh, a shout out to Vision 2022. I think our, our new uh, vision statement uh, makes it so much easier to get into that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I work for a company that's looking to make a better world through education and kind of launch into it. Uh, yeah, and here's bit. how we do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then when I, if, if I need to talk about what I do specifically, I say, um, you know, I'm Director of Academic Affairs for our North America Division, which means I basically support our academic team to create curricula on their campuses, make sure the students have what they need to meet the appropriate student learning outcomes to succeed on a university's campus. Um, and then for, you know, for a random person walking down the street, because, you know, random people just stop you and say, what do you do? But, <laughs> well, I, I I'll, assume I'll that being in there. a small town, that big, that's what happens in big cities. <laughs> that's right. You know, we're all just asking each other on the streets, what do you do? Um, I usually stop there. But if, there, you know, if somebody seems interested, I can then continue into all of the other cool stuff that we do in study group. Mm-hmm. 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 
so um, there's a bit of, um, and not pressure, but the past two folks I've spoken with on this podcast have listed hiking and cooking as two mm. to non-work related things that they enjoy. Um, okay. So there's no, <clears throat> I don't have a streak um, that I'm looking to, <laughs> to build on, but uh, you know, what would you say are some of the things that okay. you can uh, to enjoy uh, in a non-work environment? Sure. I'm going to break your streak though, because I'm not going to choose either of those. Cool. So, um, I do. I do like cooking to an extent, but I do it mostly out of necessity um, right. because you know what else are you going to do? Um, but I would say, and I know I don't know how cool it is to say that you watch TV, but I think TV shows have gotten to a point where they are, you know, artistic and interesting, in my opinion. So I like mm-hmm. to watch television shows in my free time. Um, and then my husband and I also like to watch movies a lot. So mm-hmm. I think we do a lot of that in our free time, especially I have a five-year-old. Um, by the time I have cooked dinner and, you know, she's in bed, there's aren't too many, too many hours left in the day. So, right. I understand that it's nice to not have to um, gather a whole bunch of words to share. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, that's and right. Just kind of sit back Let's and, just put on something. Yeah. Watch it. Well, pa- yeah, not necessarily passively taking a story, but um, uh, not as much as uh, having to open up a book. Correct. Like, they're not yeah. mutually exclusive either. That's true. That's true. And I will say last night we um, we finally watched Avengers Endgame, and that was just an event. Yeah. I mean, it was three hours, ups and downs, you know, mm-hmm. lots of excitement. So uh wasn't necessarily relaxing, but really good. <laughs> we, we also called that just a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were on uh, vacation. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the having to plan, uh, you know, what to do with the kids while we have three hours oh, I know. For, um, for a movie uh, was um, It's a long intense. movie. It was. Yeah. It was. Enjoyable. Yeah. But, um, it was, yeah. Uh, I will also the, add – Oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to say, I will also add, because I have a five-year-old, a lot of my free time is basically being her uh, social coordinator and her administrative <laughs> assistant, pretty much. So um, that takes up a lot of my free time. But she and I like to, you know, dance and sing songs and stuff, too. So I try to spend time with her when I can, obviously. Because we've been training. That's cool. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> does, um, does she dictate to you what's going to be happening? Um, <laughs> you mentioned being her uh, her assistant and coordinator. Her assistant and coordinator, yeah. Um, you know what? I hate to admit it, but sometimes she does. Mm-hmm. It, it it's the path of least resistance occasionally. So mm-hmm. that's with her. Sometimes that's what I take. Obviously, if it's an important thing, I'll put my foot down and mm-hmm. steer the ship mm-hmm. in the right direction. Um, but she has her opinions, as my mom likes to say. <laughs> um. It, does uh, does that come from uh, more from you or from your husband, um, or would you care uh, to that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I think it's a solely Roxanne thing. She's very, very determined and opinionated. That Mer- Roxanne is my daughter's name for mm-hmm. those who are not aware. Um, but she has been that way since she was an infant. I mean, she has the strongest will. Getting convincing her to do anything she doesn't want to do is nearly impossible. So. Uh, and it's been that way since almost day one. Uh, so I think it's just something that's just uniquely her. Mm-hmm. It's not really from either of us. That's cool. She's, yeah. a, she's a cute kid. Uh, oh, and, thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, 
So uh, as far as uh, inspiration, who is uh, who's somebody that inspires you? Yeah, you know, so I saw, not to, you know, blow your cover, but you sent me these questions, obviously, prior. <laughs> and so I saw that question in the list, and I was trying to think about who I would say. And I know this response probably won't be that interesting to people because it's nobody famous or anything, but I have this really close group of friends. It's a group of women who are I've known for almost 30 years now, I would say. Awesome. Um, and we are still all very close. And they are all extremely inspirational women, you know, full-time workers. One is also a full-time stay-at-home mom, which is a very challenging job. Mm-hmm. And they every day this group of women inspires me. Um, you know, they're all in different fields. Like I said, stay-at-home moms, some marketing, some sports management, some mm-hmm. tech startups. So a wide variety of interests, but just trying to, you know, maintain that level of um, just working really hard and taking care of your kids and still being a good friend is, mm-hmm. is super inspirational to me. So I think I would choose my, my group of friends for that. That's awesome. How did you all get yeah. to know each other? Um, so a couple of them. We met in elementary school, mm-hmm. and we've been friends since fourth grade. And then a f- few others we met freshman year of high school and have been friends since then. That's so, cool. Yeah, and they're all mainly around – we're all kind of around the same area now, so we get try mm-hmm. to get together at least like once every couple months. Um, we're all going to – for one of, one of our birthdays, um, my friend's birthday is on the 18th, we're going up to New York to see Mean Girls on Broadway. So we're very excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, I forgot to ask you uh, earlier uh, when you were talking about enjoying TV, um, mm-hmm. anything uh, good that you're watching or any go-tos hmm. that you um, recommend to the folks? Yeah. So, well, let's see. What have I watched recently? Oh, one of my favorites recently was Fleabag from mm-hmm. on uh, Amazon Prime, which I think mm-hmm. is a fantastic show. Very unique structure. Um, it, at first, you think it's like a Ferris Bueller type thing um, where they're you know talking to the camera, but it, mm-hmm. there's more depth to it than that. Um, and then a go-to, though, that's a little bit different because for a go-to, when you're just like, I don't know what to watch, I'll put on something I've seen a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually 30 Rock or perhaps Friends, which is always makes me laugh. And then mm-hmm. um, given that I'm in Philly, I have to support Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's a wacky one, um, yeah, but I really yeah. like it. So, um, Yeah, I have been, uh, I, I watched the first few years of It's Always Sunny and really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Uh, but it's, yeah. um, it, it's not uh, like my wife's sense of humor is not – that's not something that we would be watching together. Um, yeah. It's a it's a weird one, I'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will add too. So I was never I never watched Veronica Mars when it was out um, originally, right. but you know I think they just re-released or released a new season. Mm-hmm. And since I hadn't seen it, I figured I'd go back and start from season one, episode one. So I yeah. just started that um, last week. So. Oh, we uh, so we we went through and watched those uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, when mm-hmm. the, I think when the there was the movie that came out. Um, yeah, and now yeah. So they've come back and done another season. But uh, yeah, that was really, uh, really good. Um, yeah, I, had, I think friends that were watching it in in real time uh, who mm-hmm. kept talking about it, but it wasn't anything that we could pick up. Yeah, so that's the right, and especially because now there are four seasons out on Hulu. So if you want, mm-hmm. you know, if you want binge worthy, I think that would be a good one. Good. So. 
Uh, how about podcasts? Do you listen to uh, any regularly or? Uh, that is, about? I'm happy to talk about. This. So I'm, I will admit, I'm not a big podcast listener. Uh, I have nothing mm-hmm. against them, but it just has never something I really picked up. My husband, on the other hand, listens to tons of podcasts, but. I finally started listening to Armchair Expert, Zach mm-hmm, Shepard's mm-hmm. podcast, and I cannot get enough of it. Isn't um, it awesome? So he is so good. He's so good. I'm going to try to convince him to just interview a regular person and have that person be me and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, he, uh, he's really good. I, I'm sure that the uh, anthropology connection um, yes. you know, has yeah. some, some impact on that. But um, yes, yeah, coming definitely. from a, a place where I – I think in one of his early podcasts, he mentioned um, recognizing how most people probably thought of him as being mm-hmm. that, that jerk from Punked, um, yep. and who was no way um, good enough for Kristen Bell, and mm-hmm. uh, just some you know lazy good for nothing. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what my impression <laughs> <of him> was. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, he, yeah, he, I think he's he's really honest and insightful. And um, does a really good job of asking uh, questions that you wouldn't think of, or have knowing Agreed. enough about his guests that he can pull stuff out that yes. maybe not wouldn't come up in like on a uh, the, if they're promoting a movie or a book, they would a question that wouldn't normally come up for that. Yes, I agree. And I think saying that he's really honest is a good way to put it because he's really open about his shortcomings, it mm-hmm. seems. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also just really open about. And I love this, like how much love he has to give to everyone. And I, yeah. I just find it, I don't know, really endearing in a way. And his guests are always um, usually comedians or actors. And he talks a lot about how they got to where they are. But as you said, asks really good questions about that, as opposed to this just sort of standard, like, what was the process? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but sometimes they'll have, you know, experts on experts, he calls it. And that's mm-hmm. always really interesting, too. So yeah. it, I recommend that for podcast listeners. Cool. We'll put it in the comments and uh that one and the untitled henna podcast, of course, is oh, well, thank obviously. You. That, uh, your check will be in the uh, mail tomorrow for sure. the plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, Lauren, as always, really good talking to you. Thank you for for coming on and chatting. And um, yeah, I, uh, my pleasure. Appreciate it, and hope it's a, a a good chance for folks to get to hear a little bit more about you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam. All right. We'll talk later. Bye-bye. All right.